0: Okay, uh, I just want to, I want to pray over our tithes and offerings uh, before we get started back into our timeline. Uh, Like we said, we did an overview last week, and I'm not going to do the overview again, but I want to get into some things, some specific things that I think was important for us uh, to look at uh, today, especially in the times that we're living in and that we're seeing. But I want to read a scripture first for our tithes and offerings out of uh, Malachi 3. I believe we have that up on the... Up on the overhead here, verse 10. It says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And I love this part of the verse. I think, you know, we talk a lot about tithes, and we, and we hear a lot about tithes, but look at it. God's actually saying, now try me. Try me in this. Capital, capital M. Try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing that there will not be enough room enough to receive it. Amen? Amen. God is so good. He is so faithful. He's looking for us just to trust him fully and completely in every area of our life. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just come to you, Lord. We thank you for just your abundance in our life, your, the abundance of joy and of goodness and of faithfulness in our life. And Father, we just pray over these tithes and offerings, Lord, that you are the God of multiplication. Father, that you are taking each and every dollar given, Father God, and, and using it as you see fit, Lord. We just submit that to you. Father, we thank you that we can be a distribution center and taking the funds that you have provided and sending them where they need to be sent and use them how they need to be used for the expansion of your kingdom and for your glory, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, that this property will be paid off in Jesus' name. We thank you for being debt-free. Lord, we're looking forward to the party and celebration we have when that happens. Lord, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, just a note on the uh, on the debt. I don't have the exact number here this morning, but we're working on a graphic of some kind to get up posted somewhere in the church building, just so we have our our eyes can just remember what it is and what we're working on together to get this thing paid off, because there's so much we're able to do, oh, so much more we're able to do, and I know we're able to do more once we get this thing paid off. Amen? Amen. So, guys, let's get into, hopefully you have your timeline. Please pull out your timeline if you have this in front of you. Uh, for those who are watching online, we do welcome you. Uh, if you want to go to our website, at www.ecfchurch.org, right on the homepage, I think you just have to scroll down a little bit, and you will be able to get click on a link, which will open this as a PDF on your computer or on your phone, uh, and then you can zoom in and um, be able to look at it. We have a little bit larger copy here uh, uh, this morning, but let me just pray over this message because... My goal is to bring you such hope this morning. I mean such hope. I could cry just thinking about it. I want each and every one of you to leave with such hope for what the future holds. For us as believers, for those who have made Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior. For those who are written in the book of life. So much hope. And if you're here this morning or you're listening online and you're not assured of that hope of your future, you can change that today. You can be assured of that hope today, which is exciting, exciting news. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just lift this message up to you. Father, these are your words, Father. Your words through your Holy Spirit. I pray that I will be able to speak them clearly, to articulate the words that you have for this church and what you have in store for the future. And Father, I just ask you now that our ears will be open, our eyes will be open, our hearts will be open to receive what you have for us. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, 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 amen. So you know what? I've been excited about this this message series, like I know we started last week, for like a long time. And this was before, like, we even knew what the word of that virus even was, right? I didn't even know how to spell it, didn't know what it was. So this is not a series based upon what's happening in the world, to be honest with you. Like, this is not a series driven by what's happening, although it helps to explain what's actually happening. So God had ordained this message series for us for a long period of time, even before all this stuff started to happen. And the scripture verse out of Hosea 4, 6, it says, My people are destroyed... ...for a lack of knowledge. They're destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And I gave the example last week... ...of me doing home improvement projects. And the example last week... ...that I used is when my expectation... ...is at a certain level... ...and reality... ...ends up not being at that same level... ...I end up getting frustrated. How many of you are in that boat? Come on now, right? When expectations do not equal reality... ...we get frustrated... And what happens is when I'm doing these projects is, of course, you know, you got to go to Lowe's like 100 different times in order to get the project done. The expectation was once. You're just like, Pastor Jason, why would you expect to only go once? But the other thing what ends up happening is I use what I call brute force. Amen? amen. Who got an amen? <laughs> I use brute force to fix any problem that's not going correctly during my project in the house. Okay, and so this is where you would say, well, why don't you go and get the right tool? Ah. Why not use the hammer? It can put the screw in just as well, right? Right, why when something seems like it doesn't fit, why take the time to remove it and go back to the saw and just take a little bit off when you can shove it into place? And then I don't even have to nail it. Or put a screw in it because it's permanently in there and you can never remove it again. Okay? But what happens is we get frustrated when we're doing things when the expectation doesn't equal reality. And the whole part, the point of this series is to give you the correct expectation, the correct reality of what is going to begin to happen as we play out these last days. So when you see it happening, you're not like frustrated. And we just said, you know, all this stuff is going on in the news today and all this stuff is happening today. Things are happening. Is any of you any surprised anymore? Because this is the stuff that's going to happen. We have to understand that this stuff is going to happen. So why are we going to spend so much time on it? Why are we going to take weeks to talk about it? You know what? Because Jesus talked about it. Because Paul talked about it. Because Peter talked about it. Because John talked about it. And this entire Bible is the story of God's plan for redemption for mankind. It says who he is and what he's going to go do, and you have to get through the whole book, and this this whole end times and what's going to happen is sprinkled through this whole thing. It's sprinkled from Genesis, through Isaiah, in Ezekiel, in Daniel, in the prophets, in Matthew, and all through the Pauline epistles, and all the way to Revelation. How can you not talk about it? We have to talk about it. It's a major Doctrine that we have to understand and we have to talk about it the coming of the Messiah And the literal establishment of the kingdom of God on earth is central to the gospel The establishment of God's kingdom on earth is central to the gospel When we begin to understand that we begin to keep our eyes focused on Jesus and the wind and the waves and the storms begin to They're gonna blow they have been blowing right? They've been blown long before 2020, and these things begin to happen, and we have to understand them. Revelation 12, verse 11, Grace, I don't know if we have that up there, Revelation 12, verse 11, and it says this, it says, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony, and we, a lot of us know that verse, Right? We overcame them by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, but we leave out the last part of the verse. And they did not love their lives to the death. They did not love their lives unto death, which means this, is we missed that last part, but it enables us to know what is coming. We will overcome. We will overcome by the blood of the Lamb, by the words of our testimony, but we don't have to fear death. We don't have to fear what's coming at us and what's coming down the road. So the goal of this series is this. Ultimately, is not to set a time. I know Pastor joked a couple weeks ago. He had a great message uh, a couple weeks ago. He said, you got to come back and listen to Pastor Jason. But it's not because we're going to set a time. We're not going to put a date on this thing at all. We're not going to point out or call someone the Antichrist. We're not going to say that this timeline that sits in front of you is the absolute only interpretation of end time scriptures that there ever was because I can tell you it's not. In fact, I think there's some asterisks on the timeline, which really points out some of the major debated theological differences within the church on where things reside. So we won't be dogmatic about it. But this is this is our this is my belief and my view and our view uh, on where we where we see this thing uh, coming. The goal of this series is to do this, though, is to give you general expectations for the future, to give you hope. For what the thousand year reign and eternity will look like. And that's where we're gonna spend our time uh, here this morning. It's to give you a vision for what the church will look like in the future, and to give you personal actions on where you need to stay focused on and what we need to go do. So let me give you a brief overview of heaven and hell. Before we get into this, to this, uh, to the timeline, and our focus this this morning is going to be on number twenty-one and number twenty-two on the timeline. There is just a few verses on the back of the timeline which I'll read through some of those, and they'll relate to number twenty-one and number twenty-two. But first of all, I want to start with uh, heaven and hell. I mean, I don't know about you, but all I know is growing up. I heard the song, Heaven is a Wonderful Place. Anybody know this song? Filled with glory and grace. I want to see my Savior's face because heaven is a wonderful place. I want to go there. Right, so this is the song, Salty, the singing songbook, I think. Okay, how many heard this song? Because no one's singing with me here. Okay, only a few of you. But growing up as a kid, you just think heaven's this wonderful place. And, and we never really put words. We never really put scripture. We never really begin to define what exactly does it look like. What is it going to be like? Because how do we put our hope into something when we don't really know what it's going to be like? Am I just going to be floating around in the clouds, <laughs> singing songs, For all of eternity. Like I'm thinking that that sounds fun for a little bit. And maybe if you're Sydney and on your worship team, you're like, that sounds exciting. I would love to do that for the rest. But I'm thinking like, eternity doing that? Is that really what it's, is that we're just going to be in the clouds floating? No, it's actually, that's not what the Bible says. That is not the definition of what is going to happen. So I want to define heaven. I want to define hell, where it is today, and where it's going to be in the future on this timeline, and what does it actually look like? What is occurring in heaven? What is occurring when we're reigning on this earth, which will probably be next week? But what does this begin to look like so we can begin to have a hope of the future? Because what happens is, is when our eyes are focused on the future... And not in the present. What we said earlier today, when our eyes are focused on Jesus, the wind and the waves have a lot less effect on us. Do they not? Amen. Okay, so heaven. How many of you know that there are actually three heavens at the moment? There are three heavens. Let's read out of 2 Corinthians 12, verse 2. It says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know, or whether out of the body I do not know, but God knows, such a one was caught up. To the third heaven. Okay, the third heaven. If there are three heavens, if you're, if you're going to the third heaven, how many know there has to be a heaven one and a heaven two? Right? Make sense? And can I get an amen to that? Like if, there's the, if I'm going to the third, I have to get, there has to be a one and a two in order to get to the third. So let's talk about the three heavens, where they're at right now. What is heaven number one? What does that look like? It's actually the here and the now. It's actually the earth. It's actually where we are living right now. Both the spiritual realm and the physical realm, which you and I are in, is the first heaven. This is where we actually are right now. And I understand it doesn't feel that way. Can I get an amen to that one? This is heaven? Are you kidding me? Like, I don't want anything to do with the other heavens if this is the first... No, no, no. No, no, no. Listen. When God created the earth and He created in its perfection and He created the Garden of Eden, He was creating heaven on earth. He was creating a heaven and man's fall, man's sin that allowed sin and the enemy to come into this world, begin to take rain, is why this heaven that we currently reside in today looks and acts and is the way that it is. Does that make sense? So we think of this Garden of Eden, this perfection, until sin entered the world. And you say, well, where is Satan in all of this? Where is our enemy? Is he, is he just floating around somewhere? Where is he? Well, the Bible makes it very, very clear in Isaiah 14. I'm not going to read it. You can write the scriptures down. Isaiah 14, 12 through 21, and Ezekiel 28, 11 through 19. And it clearly begins to show that Satan was on this earth when Adam and Eve were here. Amen? You guys know the story in Genesis, the serpent was there, tempting, which means Satan had to have fallen, Lucifer had to have fallen from heaven, at some point, I'm not going to go through the timeline on where exactly that happened, because we're talking about the beginning of the Bible, the beginning of history, I'm not going to get into old earth and new earth, young earth, old earth, I'm not going through that this morning, we may get to that eventually, but just a whole other controversial topic, really of not too much of importance at the moment. Amen. We're at the end of the timeline, not at the very beginning. Okay, how old dinosaurs are, whatever. We're not going to go there this morning. Okay, but what I do want you to understand, what I do want you to understand is that Satan is on. I mean, he resides in this first heaven, in the spiritual realm that we actually live in now. And you say, but Pastor Jason, on your timeline, on number six, it says that Satan was kicked out of heaven. I, you're just telling me that he already got kicked out of heaven. How is he going to be kicked out of heaven again at, during this tribulation time? Well, it's very, very clear in the Bible that, that Satan, the enemy, still has some access to communication with heaven, right? So look at the story of Job. He has access to this, to this story. Look at in Revelation. It says that he is the accuser. And he's accusing brethren day and night before God. Where is God? God is actually in the third heaven. And I'll get to that just in a minute. And He's officially kicked out forever. When he is, when he gets kicked out, when you look at number six on your time frame, I know I don't have it on the overhead, that is when he begins to be able to actually be impersonated as the Antichrist. The Antichrist truly becomes the Antichrist. I'll get to that a little bit later. But the first heaven where we live is the spiritual realm, Listen to this, the spiritual realm has influence over the physical realm. And that's why it's so important when we talk about this battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities and the powers of darkness. In this first heaven that we are operating on, that has been, that has been kind of by sin, is, is what it is today, will be completely restored someday, and I'm we'll gonna get to that in a minute. But what's really exciting is that we have to understand that we are in a battle against the enemy right here. In this heaven, on this earth, right here where we are right now. And we have to understand that. The second heaven. What's the second heaven? The second heaven is, is really, it's, we'll call it outer space, galaxies, etc. I mean, if you watched enough movies, okay, whatever. It's out there, okay? It is not where we reside. It is not where the enemy is currently residing. It is not where the battle is. It is not something that I need to spend a whole lot of time on talking about here this morning. The third heaven, listen to this, the third heaven is where God's throne is. And that heaven, wherever God is, heaven will be. Listen to me, church. Wherever God is, is where that heaven will be. And eventually, church, eventually that heaven will actually be here on this earth. I mean, come on. What good news is this? This is fantastic news to be able to understand. And you say, okay, so then I start asking questions. Okay, what do people look like in heaven? Come on, how many of you ask this question, right? You begin to say, what, okay, when a loved one that I have, and they've passed away, and what do they look like? What are they, what are they like in heaven? Well, there's a whole lot of evidence in the Bible that talks about either in the transfiguration experience, in the book of Revelation, where John sees people in heaven, and they look like humans. Okay, so when, when we die before this whole timeline plays out, if we die and we go to heaven, because we know Jesus and we're in the book of life, we have a spiritual body in heaven that looks like a physical body. But where that third heaven is, it's not just up in the clouds. Okay, that third heaven, that where God resides, it's not part of this universe. It's not part of this, like because our minds can't really totally comprehend this, right? We're thinking in terms of what's right here. But God's in the third heaven, is it's not something tangible that we have right now, but it will be tangible in the future, and that's what's exciting. So the summary, the first heaven is this atmosphere of this earth. The second heaven is kind of, we'll call it outer space for those fun outer space people uh, that love this stuff, galaxies and stuff. And then the third heaven is where God's throne is, and it's truly outside of what we see as this created universe. This is heaven. Hell, where's hell? Hell. Hell on the flip side, Hades or hell, is somewhere truly in the center of this earth. Don't ask me how that happens or what it is from a spiritual perspective, but what I can tell you is this place is very real. Hell is a real place, and if there's any doctrinal theology teaching that says, well, hell doesn't really exist, I'm not sure which Bible that they're listening or or reading or looking at. Because it's very clear, and if you look at Matthew uh, Matthew fifteen or thirteen fifty says, "And cast them into the furnace of fire, where there will be wailing and gnashing of teeth." Hell is a real place. Heaven is a real place. Okay, back to your timeline. If you want to put that timeline up for me, so here we go. Number twenty one: Satan is bound for a thousand years. It says in Revelation twenty, "When I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit." And a great chain in his hand. He laid hold of the dragon, the serpent of old, which we already referenced, right? Who is the devil and Satan. And bound him for what? A thousand years. Here's number 21. There's a thousand year binding of Satan. And he cast him into the bottomless pit. He shut him up. Set a seal on him. I love this. So he should deceive the nations no more. You see, he is in operation right here and right now, being the deceiver, being the accuser. But what happens is at the end of this timeline is his time begins to run short. And he is bound up for these thousand years, and he's cast into into the fire. And the nations no more for a thousand years. Listen to that. But after these things, he must be released for a little while. What else happens at number 21 as we're beginning this thousand-year reign on earth? is the marriage supper of the Lamb. The marriage supper of the Lamb. It's an inauguration of the kingdom on earth. It's the inauguration of the kingdom on earth. It says in Luke 22, listen this, for I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. That means when Jesus comes back for the thousand-year reign on earth, there is going to be a party. (laughs) Guys, No, no, the marriage supper of the Lamb, it is a party. You have to understand this. I am looking forward to the marriage supper of the Lamb with great anticipation. It says Jesus isn't drinking wine anymore until he comes back for the thousand-year reign. This is a party that's going to, I'm not talking about a drunk party. Come on, don't go there. But there is going to be a party. There's going to be celebration and singing and dancing at the marriage supper. It is inaugurating Jesus being king of the earth for a thousand years. I mean, like, come on. I want to be at that party. How many of you want to be at the party? Well, if you know Jesus, you're going to be at the party. So we need to get excited about the party that's coming. Amen? I mean, I tell you what, church. I've been studying this stuff. And, and you know, we had a, a tough week and a difficult week and getting the kids back to school and stuff like that and what we were doing. But I was able, I mean honestly, I mean, Liz could attest to this, I was able to walk through a lot of these things with much more joy and much more gladness and, gladness, and I think you even looked at me, you're like, man, I love you, like, a lot this week, right? <laughs> because normally the stress that it has, is like, oh, grumpy Jason again, right? No, I, like, wasn't really grumpy this week. Why? Honestly, I believe because I'm studying what is going to happen in the future, and I'm looking at the marriage supper of the Lamb. I'm looking at what heaven's going to be like. I'm looking at eternity. I'm going to say, you know what? I can get through today because I know what tomorrow's going to bring. I can get through this stuff today because I know what tomorrow is going to bring. And I have an excitement around that. It's like, whatever, Corona, whatever, all this stuff. And we have to battle against it. I get it. The marriage supper of the Lamb, it's going to be awesome. Then the rest of the timeline talks about there's going to be, uh, as we get to, uh, uh, there's going to be a cleanup here for these thousand years. We're going to do some cleanup, we're going to get a new temple built. This is not the temple that you see in Revelation 21. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. And then that's actually the temple you can see in Ezekiel 40 uh, through 48. And we're going to enjoy the amazing reality of ruling and reigning with Jesus for 1,000 years on earth. And that's going to be exciting. And I'm going to actually spend a lot of time about, on that next week. But here's what I want to focus on today. The end of the 1,000 years. Remember I told you I promised you I'd start at the end and work my way backwards? I had to tell you the thousand years. We're going to get to number 22. Number 22 on your timeline says Satan is released. That's in Revelation 20, verse 7 and 8. He fails, church. He fails in his last stitch attempt to try to defeat Jesus. He fails. Church, he fails. Come on, church. He fails. He's done. It's over with. And then he's tossed into the lake of the fire Forever. No more messing around. No more deception. No more accusation. No more pain. No more sickness. No more trouble. No more anything that comes from him. Because he's done. It's over. This is a time to celebrate. Then the white throne judgment occurs. That's where every person will be evaluated. They'll look at the book of life. You can read that in Revelation 20, verses 11 through 15. And if you look at 14, it says, Then death, Revelation 20, verse 14, Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Man, this is is the most important stuff. This is the most important stuff. Then the Bible says that death is actually thrown also into the lake of fire. Jesus hands his kingdom over to the Father, And then God creates a new heaven and a new earth. Revelation 21. I don't have all those scriptures up there, but turn with me there if you have your Bibles in front of you. Revelation 21. God creates a new heaven and a new earth. Let me say it again. God creates a new heaven and a new earth. This third heaven where he is today begins to correspond with the new heaven and the new earth and they merge in this glorious and beautiful thing that he has intended from the very beginning that we begin to go back to the days of the Garden of Eden and things are perfect and there's no more sin and no more sickness and no more pain and we get to just be forever in eternity just with him in his presence. Come on. Come on, church. He creates a new heaven and a new earth. Revelation 21. Now, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. The ones we're dealing with now, they passed away. Also, there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven, from God prepared as a bride adorned for a husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. Now it becomes it is with us now, and he will dwell with them. You understand this combination of the third heaven and the first heaven all comes together. God now comes down and he wherever he is, he comes and dwells with us. Come on church. He ends up dwelling with us for all of eternity. It's just like, are you serious? Yes, I am. It says it here in the Bible. He will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. Verse 4, and God, look at this, will wipe away every tear from their eye. There'll be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying. There shall be no more pain for those former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne, verse 5, said, Behold, look at this, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. So let me go back to today for a minute. Sorry to bring you back to reality. Because this is reality, but it's the reality of the future. I saw a meme Again, I don't get on social media much, but I got on for a second and I saw a meme, and I don't have it up here. I probably should have put it up there. It's as if 2020 was a scented candle, and there was a bunch of job johnnies or porta potties, and they were on fire. <laughs> And I was like, oh my gosh, is that not a picture, seemingly, of what a scented candle of 2020 would look like, right? I know it's disgusting. I'm sorry to take you there for a minute. But this is the reality that we live in. This is what it, it's like today. This is what we're walking through. Do you understand, and I, I was watching the video, Andy, thank you for sending, sending it to me. Depression is one of the leading causes of disability worldwide. Antidepressants. And again, honestly, honestly, there's... If you are on antidepressant, I am saying that I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. And we can have a whole nother discussion about that, and we can have a whole nother conversation. Maybe I'll do a message series on it. Do not feel like a failure because you have to take an antidepressant. Whole nother thing. It got quiet, that's okay. But what I'm saying is because there's a rise of these, it's an indicator. Suicide is the second leading cause of death to young people in the US. People everywhere are seeking escape. They're seeking something to believe in. They're rioting, and I don't even think they really understand why they're rioting. There's all this chaos going on in this world. Everything that's going on in this world. And we need to keep this amazing hope that I was just talking about. This amazing hope in front of us at all times. Hebrews 6, verse 19. Given a lot of scriptures this morning. Hebrews 6 verse 19, look at this, says, This hope we have as an anchor. The hope of this future that we have with God is an anchor. Do you know what an anchor does? Right? It keeps you from being tossed around and going anywhere else, but it keeps you stable and it keeps you steadfast and it keeps you right where you need to be. An anchor for the soul, both sure and steadfast, which enters the presence behind the veil. What does it mean, the presence behind the veil? What that means is the most holy place in which the very presence of God dwells. The hope, that hope can be our anchor in the most difficult and crazy times. 2020, crazy, crazy, crazy. I mean, who started started this year thinking this is what was going to be? Not to mention 20 means war in the Bible, and if you do 20-20, it means a lot of war. But let's not talk about biblical prophecy on on numbers at the moment, okay? So let's look at Matthew 19, verse 28 and 29. And Jesus said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, that in the regeneration where the Son of Man sits on the throne of his glory, thank you, Jesus, you who have followed me will also sit on the 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone, everyone, everyone who has left houses, brothers, sisters, fathers, mothers, wife, children, or lands, for my name's sake, shall what? Shall receive a hundredfold and eternal life. Church, nothing is lost. You have to understand this. John Eldridge has a great message, and I haven't read the book yet, but The whole point about this thing is nothing is lost. Look at this scripture. Everything gets redeemed. Everything comes back. The lost loved ones that you miss and that you care about. It all gets redeemed. It comes back. For those who are in the book of life, look at this. Houses. Yes, there's houses when this all goes down. Families. Look at this. This is absolutely amazing. Revelation 21 verse 5. I'm going to read it again. And he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. He makes all things new. So, these scriptures that we've lined out, I've called these scriptures, I've put like these scriptures that we just looked at, equals a hope of restoration that God will make all things new. And what is hope? Hope is an expectation that there's something better coming. Hope is an expectation that there is something better coming. And honestly, it would take quite an amazing thing to happen to make all of this stuff line up, and guess what? Enter Jesus. Enter Jesus. He gave his life for this hope. This hope that is above and beyond, he gave it to us. He makes possible the renewal of all these things. So some of us walk around and think that we've lost everything. Guess what? You haven't. You may have lost it temporarily in this world, and but it is, by the Bible and what it says, it will be made new again. So I want to paint a picture for you in, in, for a moment, then we'll have the worship team come back up in just a moment, because I just want to worship him. I just want to worship him and thank him for what he's doing. It's funny, Liz already mentioned the landscaping project that we did this week that's been going on and I see this landscaping project that we did at our house from a little bit different perspective although it's really the same what happened was is over the course of time over the course of life our landscaping got out of control yeah right it got out of control Because I didn't have the time, the energy, the effort to daily go out there and pick a weed here and there and to stop this one plant from spreading like crazy. Like, why some of these plants, they just spread everywhere and I can't keep up with it. And what happened is, is he came and he tore all of that stuff off. And so much is like the end times when all this stuff begins to happen. It all gets ripped away. It all gets torn away. And God comes back and makes all things new. And when I walk out and I see this landscaping, and it is, right now, it is perfect. It is perfect. And to think about it, that when God comes to this earth, when heaven is established on this earth, it is perfect. It is absolute perfection. No more sorrow, no more tears, no more pain. None of it. Anymore. Perfection. Worship team, if you want to come back up here. The story of the Bible. God made Eden. The garden. We were made in his image. He gives us this earth. And what does he tell us to do? To rule and reign on it. But man fails. But Jesus intervenes. And God restores the earth. And then what is he going to tell us to do again? To reign again on this earth. And the exciting part is that evil at the end of the day will be completely, totally destroyed. Nothing is lost, church. Nothing is lost. Those goodbyes that you've said, those things that you feel were lost and stolen, the pain We face in our bodies we will be made completely whole and completely new imagine this imagine the best day you've ever had right some of us have had pretty good days in our life imagine the best day that you ever had repeated over and over and over and over right how many of us go on vacation and we're like oh it's the end of vacation i'm talking about the never-ending vacation church I'm talking about when when we are here on this earth, we are going to be doing the things that God created us to do. Listen to me. Each and every one of us was created uniquely by God for a certain purpose, both here on this earth, but a purpose for all of eternity. You say, well, what does that mean, Pastor Jason? I thought we were all just singing in the clouds. No. No. Will there be worship? Absolutely. Will there be creativity? Absolutely. I truly believe the Bible makes it clear. Those who are able to draw, will draw. Those who are able to write, will write. Those who are able to build, will build. Those who are able to create, will create. Those who are able to dance will dance. You think, well, how is that possible? Because you will be made perfect as God intended you from the very beginning. And you will be able to do the things. You will be able to do the things that God has always created you to do. And we live in a fallen world, and some of us get an amazing privilege to do the things that God has created us to do. And unfortunately, many of us don't always get that opportunity on this short time frame on earth. But I can tell you, there is joy and there is hope knowing that God, as he created you, will be completely fulfilled in eternity. Telling you, if you love to cook, you're going to be able to cook. If you love to plant gardens, you're going to be able to plant gardens. If you love to play sports, yes, I will be playing sports. We are going to do what God has ultimately created us to do. And we have to see the future as God sees it, to see what God has in store for us. And if we can keep our eyes, church, if you can keep our eyes on the end of the timeline, if you can keep yourself focused on this end and know that the joy of the Lord is your strength and know that eternity is going to come and you are going to be ruling and reigning with Him and you're going to be able to do the things you've always wanted to go do and you'll be able to have the never-ending vacation with Him in His presence you got to be like, amen, sign me up. Let's do this. And then each day, as he tarries, as we wait, if we can just remember the glimpse of what will be, I truly believe, as it did for me this week, as it did for me this week, you can have joy in the circumstances that are surrounding your life right now. So stand with me. We're going to worship. We're going to do this one song that we've done already. But church, this is, this is the good news. This is the good news, church. This is all part of the gospel message. This is the good news. And if you're here this morning or you're watching online, you say, ah, I don't know if my name is in that book of life. I don't know if my name is there when Jesus opens it to see, will I be able to experience this for eternity? Then after church is over, we'll have some prayer teams up here. I want you to come up and talk with us. But right now, for those that do know, can we just worship him? Can we just worship him for a minute? Can we just celebrate everything that he did, all that he paid for, and keep our eyes focused on the future? Amen? Amen. Let's worship. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Worship you, Lord. Let's just pray for a minute. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your Son. We thank you for this amazing picture of eternity that you've painted for us. And that you've given us the ability to put our hope in that, in you, in your presence forever. Thank you. We look forward to that peace, that joy that only can come when all things are made new. And Father, we ask for that peace that you promise us here and now. The peace that passes all understanding. And that each and every one of us will Have a fresh revelation of that peace, even in turbulent times. And Father, I ask that we focus our minds and our hearts on you, and that the joy of the Lord will be our strength. The joy of the Lord will be our strength. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Prayer teams, if you can come up here. I think there's maybe one or two prayer teams here this morning. I want to read the benediction out of Revelation 22. Because why not? Why don't we read the end of the book? Amen? Because we talked about the end. It's going to be glorious. It's going to be wonderful. Every one of you. I am so excited. Like, my biggest passion in life is to see people doing what they're called to do. And do you understand that when we're in heaven, when heaven is on earth and everything is made perfect, you all are going to be doing what you've been called to go do. You all are going to be enjoying exactly as God designed you. And man, that is going to be so awesome. So exciting. Revelation 22, verse 20. He who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming quickly. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Come Lord Jesus. Come Lord Jesus. I know a lot has to happen before that all goes down and before we get there, but if we can keep our eyes over here and our eyes focused on the future and what God has in store, oh my goodness. I believe in verse 21. The last verse in the Bible says this. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen Amen. and amen. Amen. You are dismissed. We'll see you next week. We'll do the millennium.